Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The first guest of the evening is truly a poet. He's an artist. He is a friend and an inspiration to anyone who I think who has ever played the guitar or tried to write poetry. Would you please welcome Gordon Lightfoot. If it rains or it snows, may you be safe and warm and never grow old. And if you need someone who loves you, why you know I will always be there. I'll do it, although I'm not supposed to care. This is Carefree Highway Revisited, the show that celebrates the work of Gordon Lightfoot Song by Song, a proud member of the Western Skies Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Messner, and along with me today is a pair of fellow fans, Kevin and Aaron Hester from Bettendorf, Iowa. Kevin and Aaron, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. So I'd like to hear from one or both of you, because I don't know whether you had this experience together, but how did you get into Gordon's music originally? Well, I would take that. I wound up, like everybody else, basically hearing, if you're going to read my mind, it just blew me away. That was when it first came out? Yes, back mm-hmm. in 1970, 1971. Mm-hmm. And Aaron, what about you? Uh, I got into Gordon Lightfoot because Kevin had introduced me to him a long time ago. Not as long as he has done, but I have come to appreciate the music of Gordon Lightfoot because of Kevin. So. That makes perfect sense. Now, what is it, Aaron, we'll start with you on this one. Okay, what is it that you like in general about Lightfoot's music? Uh, the lyrics, just like Kevin says, the lyrics means a lot. Um, he's a real poet, so he puts all of his music together as poetry and meaning. It's just, uh, it's something about it's really different. Kevin, what about you? Yes, the same thing. I actually have been gifted with the ability to write some poetry myself. So I'm a word guy. His lyrics just touch my heart and stirs my soul. Now, when have the two of you seen Lightfoot together? I'm sure that you've each have seen him separately, but what have your experiences been seeing him as a couple? Well, the first time we saw him together was back in 1991. Aaron and I were just, we weren't married. We were just wonderful friends then. And we saw him at the Adler Theater in Davenport. Wonderful show. And from there on, Aaron got to start loving Gordon more and more. We also have a very special time that Aaron was talking about, about the song Beautiful. Oh, Beautiful was dedicated to us. That was after we got married, probably about a week or two after we got married on September 3rd, 2011. And we were in Osceola, and we had a friend of ours with us, and we had a surprise dedication by Gordon 
we were in the audience and he pulled out something out of his pocket and he said, I'd like to dedicate this song to Kevin and Aaron. And we stood up and uh, it was really a treat. <laughs> That's dream material. I mean, to yes. have your favorite artist dedicate a song from the stage to you. I mean, yes. yes. Absolutely unforgettable. And at what a perfect time in your life together, too. That's amazing. Yes, yes. And now we have gotten to the point of whenever we see Gordon and he's doing beautiful, we give each other a big hug and a kiss. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I hope that you do that other times, too, Kevin. Yeah, yeah we yeah, do. I, yeah, I, I figured. I figured. Yeah, it was a bit like that with me and my wife when we would go to see John Stewart, God rest his soul. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. We got to be regulars, and one of his songs was played at our wedding reception. So that, you know, we would always look at each other when he played that one and kind of, you know, uh-huh. go all you know, dreamy eyed at each other. Well, let's turn to I'm not supposed to care. And I'm going to start on this one. Why each of us likes it or what it means to us personally. I think the thing that I like about it is number one, it's in three, four time, which is a time signature that I particularly like. I like three, four and six, eight times. And also the rhyming scheme is a lot more complicated than a lot of his other songs. I mean, he's got a whole lot of internal rhyming that's going on here. What about the two of you? What do you like about this song in particular? Well, the first time I heard it, it just totally struck me as a wow moment. Mm-hmm. As someone who, like all of us, we have all been through relationships that have ended, and usually the idea that most people have, it's over, forget it, move on. But he is saying here, I wish you good spaces in the faraway places you go. I mean, what better way for anybody, anything to end than for both them and for us? Aaron, can you add anything to that? Pretty much what he said is pretty much it. It's like when you're with someone and they want to go on on their way to another part of life. And what I'm saying is he feels like he cares enough for her, but he doesn't care. It's like I'm I'm not supposed to care, even though I do care. It's a matter of letting go, but not really letting go because it's going to always be there. They're always going to be there for each other, whether she's like off somewhere else or he's off somewhere else they still care for each other kevin what to you is the best setting to listen to this song is it driving somewhere is it sitting at home is it a particular time of day or night what if you could listen to the song under any circumstances what would the ideal ones be the ideal one would actually be a dream where gordon was performing in the house that would be the ideal well okay Okay, but leaving that aside, because you had that chance, you know, right. and a lot of us don't. So if you can't have him doing a command performance, so right. what would another scenario be? Listening to a home, or I listen to him in the car a lot because I drive a lot. So I do professional driving. And when I'm driving home, it's always more life with music on all the time. Can't beat that. Aaron, what about no. you? Um, I usually like to listen to it when I'm relaxing at home, um, mostly because I can listen to the words and I can listen to the music and I can concentrate more that way. Sure. I think for me, in for this song, it's after the sun has set, but there's still light in the sky. Right. So it's kind of dusk and it would be at home. 
Um, this is one that's a little bit more reflective, not as much of a road song for me. Yeah. Yes. That's, you know, different strokes for different right. things. And exactly. It's a song you need to reflect on instead of being background music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's one of those that kind of demands your attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, it would be, it, I think you might as well just be listening to an instrumental of it. Right. Well, let's look at the genesis of the song. Aaron, you were saying, and Kevin, you were too, that it's about someone wishing a lost love the best as they move on to someone else or something else. It's the title of the song that is intriguing to me Mm -hmm. because he says, I'm not supposed to care, is the expectation that he has already moved on and he's already cut emotional ties with this person? Or is he saying, I do care, even though in the situation, my body language, the words I choose would make people assume that I don't care? Or yet again, is he saying she can hurt him and do anything she wants because she doesn't want a relationship with him anymore, but he's not allowed to have feelings? Do you have any thoughts on why he chose that particular phrase? I'm sure that as most people would say, when a relationship is over, you are not supposed to care. But no doubt he still does. He still has deep feelings for her. Yes. One theory that I kind of like this, although I can understand why some people would see it's far-fetched, it's from a parent to a child. And the parent is sending the kid off to college or they're moving away for the first time. And the parent's trying not to completely break down. down. Yes. A lot of people would consider that far-fetched, but I think that actually could make some sense. Do either of you agree with me or you think it's about something else? Yes, I do. I can see that also. As I said before, what better way for someone to leave than with the sentiments he expresses in this song. And the someone doesn't have to be a lover. It could be somebody else. Right. It could be somebody else, yeah. could be a child. Mm -hmm. Well, let's start looking at the lyrics here a little bit. So it starts, I think you have somebody waiting outside in the rain to take you away. And that could be the new lover, but it could also be the taxi that's waiting. I mean, it's that leaving on a jet plane thing we hear from John Denver. There's just somebody waiting to take you away, although it's not necessarily the lover. It could be just a conveyance. Yeah. Uh, We'll be right back to our conversation with Kevin and Aaron Hester about I'm Not Supposed to Care in just a moment. But first, here's a word from one of our podcast partners. Hi, this is Audie Martello, the host of the Mostly Folk podcast, a 60-minute foray into the music we all love. You will hear newly released albums, classic folk, country, and bluegrass music, as well as some traditional music that may or may not be true to the genre. Sometimes irreverent, often opinionated, but always entertaining. You may even hear a radio magic trick every so often, as well as numerous interviews via Zoom and telephone with established as well as indie artists. Mostly Folk is available wherever you listen to podcasts and always at mostlyfolk.org. You've got places to go. You've got people to see. Still, I'm going to miss you. And this person that he's addressing is busy 
too busy for him or deliberately making herself busy to avoid mm-hmm. the emotional trauma, you know, or just right. to avoid right. continuing to be disconnected. And then he puts in this, but anyway, and I'm not really sure why he put that in. He's not changing the subject. He's still talking about this person. Was that just poetic license or something to fill out the lyrics? Because it seems like it's kind of an appendage to the song. What are your thoughts? I think it just poetic license here to mm-hmm. bring it back mm-hmm. to the next phrase. And I had a thought about the person going, it may not be the relationship has ended because of despair between them. It may be because of a job opportunity, her moving to another city, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it may not be the end of the relationship by mutual agreement or somebody saying this just isn't working anymore. It may be just logistics. This person has to go for whatever reason. I wish you good spaces in the faraway places you go. If it rains or it snows, may you be safe and warm and never grow old. The thing that jumped up out at me for this was this is shades of Dylan's forever young where Mm -hmm. he's talking to somebody. And I always think it's one of his children, but Mm -hmm. he's saying, may you stay forever young. May you be safe and warm. It's this very benevolent way, Mm -hmm. as opposed to saying, ah, get out of here, you bum. Now, I don't know if uh, Dylan had written forever young by this time, or if Lightfoot had heard it, but I do think there's some resemblance there. Mm -hmm. Yes. And often... Mm-hmm. People are influenced by what they hear, maybe consciously, maybe unconsciously. You may hear something go, hey, I have an idea similar to that. Yeah. And certainly there's not enough of an overlap where Dylan would have sued Lightfoot saying, hey, you ripped something off from me. But there's certainly right. you know, a resonance <laughs> there. And if you need someone who loves you, why, you know, I will always be there which to me is just a simple, sweet, poetic way of saying that he will always love this other person. I'll do it, although I'm not supposed to care. Now, we talked about the I'm not supposed to care. What is this that he's supposed to be doing? Is it that I'll do it, meaning I'll carry on with life, or I'll help you pack, or what do you think that he's saying, I'll do it? What's he supposed to be doing? At the time, he he probably doesn't have any other choice but to help her along the way to where she needs to be or where she wants to be and in helping her realize that he's there for her but he's not supposed to care in a I suppose an emotional way maybe I don't know physical or something but it's just a matter of you've got to make a choice this is what's happening at the moment And he could choose to be very bitter about it. I mean, he could say, well, I'm leaving this house. And by the time I get back tomorrow, you know, all your stuff better be out of here. But I'll do it, although I'm not supposed to count. It sounds like he's, I'm going to help you pack your stuff. I'll help you walk out to the car, whatever. Go through the motions of a graceful breakup as opposed to being, you know, bitter about it. Right. And what is society telling him? how he should act. Is he acting the way society wants or is he doing things the way he wants to do it? 
Yeah, I think there is a kind of a social expectation that, you know, you're not supposed to show any emotion. Okay, the person's made up their mind and you're supposed to sort of keep a stiff upper lip and say, all right, well, this is just the way it's going to be, or, you know, what we would call in the business cowboying up. So he's supposed to put on this facade, but you know that he's hurting very deeply. The next verse, I'll give you the keys to my flying machine if you like. And this could be a couple of different things. I mean, is he sort of metaphorically leaving her away back to him? So the other, how well, the door is always open, you know, anytime you want to come back. Or is he talking about a plane or a car that he owned once? Now, I know that for a while, Gordon did have his own plane. And if he wasn't mm -hmm. flying it himself, somebody was jetting him around because he could afford to do that. So I'm wondering, is he talking metaphorically or is he talking about, hey, I'll have somebody come and pick you up? What do you think? Well, I think that possibly he's just saying, hey, if you need me, somebody will be there for you to get you out of the situation you're in. So he's speaking metaphorically then. Yeah, yeah I think so. I will show you the light. And when you call, I'm going to come to you. Show you the light is kind of like I thought of Tom Bodette in those old Motel 6 commercials, you know, we'll leave the light on for you. But there's also an element to this that I may be reading too much into this. Show you the light is I'm going to guide you away from something to something. And because if you're saying I'm going to show you the light, that implies that there's darkness. But to me, it's more of a situation where, okay, you'll always know that there's going to be a candle in the window for you if you ever want to come back. This is this has nothing to do with escaping from some sort of darkness and Lightfoot has escaped his own addictions. But uh -huh. I don't think that's what he's talking about here. Do you? No. Well, at this time in 75, 76, when it was written, what was the situation with Kathy Smith? Do we know that? I don't know. She did leave Gordon in about 1976, and I think she went to work for Hoyt Axton at that point. Mm. So it's entirely possible that there is some allusion here to substance abuse. But on the other hand, Lightfoot didn't get sober until well after 1976, and Kathy Smith, as right. we know, kind of didn't get sober at all. So I don't know that this is really about substances, but it's in the context of substances. It's just not in the context of recovery. Right. Okay. Yes. And when you call, I'm going to come to you. And I think what he's saying here is, look, if you ever need my help or a shoulder to cry on, et cetera, I'll be there for you. Yeah. Yes. And when you find someone who loves you, I'll know you would treat me the same. Just lie there. You're not supposed to care. This is a mysterious part of the song to me. And what's he saying here? I mean, is he dismissing her saying that she's not going to enjoy sex with this new lover? So she might as well just lie there. What are your thoughts on that particular line? Either one of you. Well, I don't know. It might be emotional abuse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. <dude. laughs> Where, you know, I mean. It's just like you're dreaming something else when you're next to your husband or whoever, or you're dreaming something else and me dreaming about somebody else or something, but I really can't say for sure. No, I um, like that idea that, you know, she's yeah. lying there, she's dreaming. We, have, we don't yeah. really have control over what we dream. Right. So, no, we don't. Kevin, go ahead. I will follow through with that. When you find someone new, please remember the times 
that loves we had, remember me with kindness. You know, when she's with him, is yeah. she thinking of Gordon or whatever? Yeah. I also had one interesting point about the line, when you call, I'm going to come, come to you. Yeah. At a concert in 1986, a live concert, he, that line was sung as, I'm going to comfort you. Yeah. Okay. So I wonder what prompted that in 1986. Do you know why he would have changed it then? Because this is like 10, 11 years after the fact. Right. No, I don't. Maybe it was just a slip, slip of the tongue, but it does fit in perfectly. It fits either way. Yeah, it does. And then the third verse, I think you have somebody waiting outside in the rain to take you away. That's some kind of game. Still, I'm glad it came down to the final round. This is another line to me that's a little bit mysterious, okay? Is he saying that we made this relationship last as long as we possibly could, and then we realized that it wasn't going to work? Or was she trying to decide who she was going to be with, and the decision was such a tough one? Thoughts? Well, when you talk about games, playing games and relationships are never usually great, unless it's like Scrabble. Well, yeah, okay. But I mean, playing games in matters of the heart. Exactly. I'm sure they probably tried to work it out as best they can, explored all options, and it came down and said, hey, we both have learned from this. We are the people we are because of us being together. Let's go on, try to live our lives the best as we can and remember each other for the good we have done. So not a competitive thing between Gordon and some other man, but just the dynamic of the relationship that Gordon had with this woman? Yes. 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 We'll be right back to our conversation with Kevin and Aaron Hester about I'm Not Supposed to Care in just a moment. But first, stepping away from folk music here for a second. When you're not listening to the music of Gordon Lightfoot, are you a fan of true crime, cults, paranormal experiences, conspiracies, and all things sinister? Then take a listen to Sinister Story Hour, a podcast focusing on macabre and monstrous events in the recent past and the not-so-recent. Hostess Stephanie Lynn tells true stories of events that are ghastly, gruesome, but most of all, great fun. That's Sinister Story Hour, available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to Carefree Highway Revisited. But anyway, if you think you need someone who needs you, you know I will always be there. I'll do it, although I'm not supposed to care. And that's where the song ends. So the song was originally on Summertime Dream, which was kind of the zenith of Lightfoot's popularity. This song was not released as a single, probably because it didn't have the same kind of pop sensibilities that some other songs on the record had. But the album does speak for itself. Peaked at number one on the Canadian RPM National Album Chart. It was number 12 on the U.S. Billboard Pop Chart. Number 63 in Australia, according to the Kent Music Report. And a lot of that was because of Race Among the Ruins and The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, which were the two singles from the record. So those are pretty impressive statistics for any album. And so the song got 
some popularity on the strength of yes. the singles and the strength of the record in general. Yeah. Now, I know that Kevin and Aaron, both of you have said that you're word people, you're lyric people. But that yeah. being said, what to you is your favorite musical aspect of this song? I just love the, the guitars in it. Such wonderful finger picking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, guitars are the music and how he put it together with the words. I mean, that takes a lot of talent to do that because every single piece, you know, he puts some kind of a theme or or, or music. It goes with the song. You've got to make sure with the lyrics that the music has to go with it to be able to sound good. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, you kind of nailed it. The finger picking is very straightforward. It's got some bass runs that are straight out of folk music, almost predictable, but that doesn't mean that they're bad. And the fact that he doubled the vocal on the phrase, I'm not supposed to care. Now, Lightfoot in those days was not known for doing a whole lot with harmonies, either with himself or with other singers. As a matter of fact, I don't remember that he used hardly any other singers until right around this point in his career. So by this time, he'd been a professional musician for about 10 or 11 years. But the fact that he added this really subtle harmony uh, mm -hmm. when he's singing, you know, I'm not supposed to care. That really just did it for me. And I thought that was very tastefully done. Right. The band on this or the people that played on it, this it's kind of a nucleus of the people that played with Lightfoot for such a long time. I mean, Lightfoot was playing, I guess, six string guitar on this song. I didn't hear the echo that you associate with a 12 string. Uh, Red Shea had left the band by that time. So Terry Clement was playing acoustic guitars, lead acoustic guitars. Pee Wee Charles was playing pedal steel. Rick Haynes, of course, was playing bass. And then Barry Keane, although there is no percussion on this song, he was the drummer for Lightfoot yeah. at this time. Now, here's something that I think is worth mentioning. According to setlist.fm, which keeps some pretty copious <clears throat> records of these kinds of things, Lightfoot has only played this song 12 times in concert since people have been keeping track of it. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't played it at all for the last 36 years. Now, it is true that they may have it wrong and he may have played it a few other times. Maybe he himself, Lightfoot, has been keeping track of that. But it does seem to me that this is not one that's a concert favorite. And I'm wondering, do you, either of you have any idea about why he hasn't played this one more? Perhaps it just either personally or the way it fits into the concert venue list he is thinking that he wants to play more up-tempo stuff he wants to keep the audience happy where this is one that's more reflective for everyone all that is the same reason he never plays too late for praying anymore he wants to keep the audience up and not have them think so much aaron you have any thoughts I agree. I agree with him, too, because it's more personal and maybe he wants to be able to keep it up there so that people will enjoy and be able to sing with him and uh, whatever have you. But, uh, you know, like I said, there's songs that everybody can sing with him and some that are just 
too deep, you know, too personal. Yeah, I think that's probably it, the personal nature of the song. And because it doesn't necessarily lend itself to sing-alongs. I mean, it's not a rousing chorus. It's a pretty melody, but it's not something that I think people, oh, I just can't wait to sing this song because it's right. I I mean, this is not Bosom of Abraham, right? I mean, the first time he played it was at the Montreux Jazz Festival on June 26, 1976. The last time he played it was on August 20th, 1985 in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the DeVos Performance Hall. So it is one that he may never play again, but that he certainly has his reasons for playing it as sparsely as he has. I can tell you that if I could have anybody from modern music cover this song, the only person that really came to mind would be Harry Styles, because I think he has the vocal chops to do it. And I think he also has the sensitivity to the intimacy of the song. Do either of you have any thoughts about who other than Lightfoot could do a passable job with the understanding that no one could touch what Gordon himself did? Right, right. Perhaps Roger Whitaker. If you know who Roger Whitaker is. Mm-hmm, sure. He's a whistler. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. Okay. Yeah. So but he, no, I think he, yeah, the way his type of music is, I would say, I, I don't know myself. It's hard to say. There's just so many good people out there. Yeah. It's hard to think of it. And part of that, I think, is because it's not a concert canon. Right. Piece, you know, so it's right. hard because people have heard it so little including mm-hmm. people, you know, professional musicians or people that really respect right. Gordon's work. Right. Maybe they haven't thought about it either. Right. It has been re-recorded by two artists. Okay. One who's rather obscure and one who is not yeah. obscure at all. Uh, George Cadwell recorded it and Bob Dylan recorded yes. it. Although he performed it in concert in 1998, that has never been released, but we do know somebody was recording that night. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Well, as we're kind of wrapping up here, and Kevin, I know that you have a poem that you wanted to read to us, but before we totally leave the song, do either yeah. of you have any thoughts on this song, why it is important, why it's valuable to the Lightfoot canon, even though it hasn't been played in concert that much? Um, well, maybe he just wanted to um, make sure that this song was out there makes people think about relationships and about something that he went through, I guess. Um, I'm not sure. That's a deeply touching song for so many of us. We can all basically relate to it. With Lightfoot's music, so often it seems so simple for him, but impossible for us, so we can all relate to his wonderful lyrics. One other thing about recording it, Gordon must have thought enough of the song because they re-recorded it for Gord Gold in 1988. For the second volume, yes. Yes. Yeah, and I think it's kind of a statement to him because there are things that he re-records for his compilations. Yes. Because, you know, maybe he's got an extra thought on it or he says, you know, well, maybe I could have gone back and done this. And he's done that brilliantly. Before we go, Kevin, you had a poem that you wrote called Ode to Gordon. And I'm yes. wondering if you could give us the backstory to that poem and then if you could read it here uh, for the listeners. Okay. First of all, there were two poems. One poem directly relates to I'm Not Supposed to Care, which was written 
for a girl I knew in college. I basically paraphrased the verse, I wish you good spaces in the faraway place you go. And I actually shared this poem with Gordon. He absolutely loved it. And this poem was called Wishes for You. So things haven't always worked out. And there were times we had our doubts. There was never a bill for happiness due. And these things I wish for you. May your skies always be blue. May your hopes and dreams come true. May your tears be forever of gladness and never of sadness. And though our past may part, you always have a special place in my heart. I read that to Gordon, and he said, hey, I, I absolutely love it. A few years later, I saw Gordon again at the Adler Theater. And just before the show, I said, hey, I need to write something. And this was my old Gordon. If you could read our minds, what a tale your fans could tell all about your music and why we choose it. We'll listen in a castle dark or a fortress strong, but usually at home or in the car, it's your music we take along. From a second cup of coffee, driving through the early morning rain, or in a ship, train, or plane, as the evening shadows signal the approaching sundown, we know that we're homeward and not Alberta bound. Looking forward with delight to putting on a CD and listening to you on a cold winter's night. And what did we get for loving you? Music that brought a tear to our eyes and a smile to our lips. Music that has touched your hearts and stirred our souls. Music that's brought us so much pleasure as we listen measure by measure has given us a lifetime of memories to treasure. Absolutely beautiful. Kevin, mm -hmm. both of those came straight from the heart and straight from the shoulder. Yes. And I'm really glad that you had a chance to read yes. them to us. So thank you yes. for that. Yes. Yes. Kevin and Aaron Hester, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm glad that we made the time to do this. And it was a pleasure talking to you about this song. Thank yes. you so okay. much. Thank you very much. Our next episode will feature my guest, Deb Radwan, and she and I will be discussing Gordon's song, A Painter Passing Through. Until then, this is Mike Messner reminding you, run for the roses, but don't forget to stop and smell them. Thank we'll you. see you next time. Talking to you about this song. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you very much. Our next episode will feature my guest, Deb Radwan, and she and I will be discussing Gordon's song, A Painter Passing Through. Until then, this is Mike Messner reminding you, run for the roses, but don't forget to stop and smell them. We'll see you next time. I think you had somebody waiting outside in the rain to take you away. You got places to go. You got people. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.